Before we start, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just pray that in these next few moments that you would speak to us, that our ears would be attentive towards what you're saying. And Lord, speak to us in a way and give us ears to hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. So it has been a great honor and privilege to have spent so much time with you here this morning and to be able to fill the pulpit uh, through the summer. So uh, it is always a joy and always a privilege, and we're excited for Jim to get back tomorrow. Um, and so he'll be back with us next week, and we're, we celebrate that. But it is always great to do that. Earlier in the summer, I kind of had four weeks in where we could kind of piece everything together. This, this time, I just had this one message that I had to piece together, right? And so I was like, well, if I had just one message that I could bring, what would it be that I, that I would want to communicate to you? If I had one chance, what would I want to, to share with you? And so I had lots of things. I, like, the reality is I want to share with you like lots of stuff. And so I thought and I prayed. And I said, Lord, where do, you want, where do you want me to go? I have one chance. What is it that you, you need said? And, and God brought me to the book of Nehemiah, which again, that's not John 3.16 or some of the more famous texts of the Bible. But God brought me here, and there are some wonderful lessons for us to learn. But as we approach this text, there's a question that we should ask ourselves. And the question that we ask is, as we gather as a group here today, why is it that we would commit such time to have someone read through a book that was written thousands of years ago and talk about it? and have us listen. Why do we here at Covenant place a priority on the preaching and teaching of the Word of God? And we understand that there are churches that gather that would maybe put more emphasis on worship and an emphasis on fellowship, and that's wonderful. We, we celebrate our brothers, but why is it that we have such a priority on the proclamation of the Word of God? And the reality is is that we come here not to hear some guy preach or some woman. It's not because of that. We're not coming to hear from a man, a human being. We're coming to hear from God. And so this morning, I want to look at four steps that we see here as the people have returned to worship, four steps that they took that can, we can take and use here at Covenant. We can use here every Sunday morning. I'm going to give them to you. You can write them down if you'd like. It starts with interpretation, and then it's interpretation, proclamation, application, and celebration. So interpretation, proclamation, application, and celebration. So let's jump right in. So Nehemiah is going to be our main text. Look what it says. And all the people gathered together in the square before the water gate, and they told the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses. Now if you look at the NIV translation, which is the one I grew up with, it says, and the people shouted at Ezra to bring out the book. They said, Ezra, we're here, we want to celebrate everything, 
bring out the book, bring out the Bible, teach it to us. I don't want to hear your long-winded stories. I want you to teach us what it, the Bible says. In order for someone like me or anyone else to stand up here and to tell you what God is saying through a text, we must look at the text and understand it and interpret it properly. Because if I go and look at a text and say, well, this is what the text says, without understanding and without proper interpretation, I can have the Bible say whatever, almost anything, right? That if I just choose to not have a standard for proper interpretation, I can make the Bible justify just about anything, right? Right, because like God told the people in the, in, in the Old Testament to go slaughter all their enemies and leave none alive, so therefore it's okay for us to just go commit genocide. But the overarching principle of that was not go and slaughter people. The overarching principle is I want my people to be fully committed to me, and I don't want you serving other gods. Okay? So we must approach the word with proper interpretation. Just like a scientist in a lab is going to go through their scientific method and they're going to treat it as a science, so we must treat our reading and interpretation of the Scripture with a scientific method. And we must do that properly and carefully. You see, so many times in Bible studies, we sit and think, well, let's read the text and what does that verse mean to you? Well, in order for me to understand what it means to me, I must figure out what it meant to the original recipients. I must figure out what the original author said. And then I must figure out how the culture of the time 2,000 years ago connects and is parallel to our culture today before I can ever figure out how it, what it means to me today. I, I could go on for this. By the way, I... I recorded a podcast where I'll go more into this. So if you are look, looking for more of that, Drew will have that up early this week. You can go listen to that. He'll have that up. Thank you, Drew, for doing that. I sprung that on Drew last minute. So thank you. Drew's awesome. Thank you, Drew. <laughs> like, he just walked away. Like, I just, I told him this morning. I came in today. I said, Drew, I recorded a podcast. Can you get that up? He's like, yeah. And he, he was not, he didn't even think about it. Drew's great. Anyway, all right, let me, let me stop. But you listen to that. I will go into more to cover that because there's a lot to cover. But we must interpret the Scripture properly, right? And you can't have any, prop, any of the rest. You can't have proclamation properly. We cannot have proper application if we don't interpret the Scripture properly. It's not a feeling. It is a process that we must follow. And I find that if you, if you take the time to listen and look into some of the resources that I provide, you'll find that the reading and the study of God's Word just goes from, from the reading to an explosion of color and animation and 3D, and it's just amazing. Okay? So I encourage you to do that. I would love to talk with you more if you have discussions, but it starts with proper interpretation. So interpretation number one. Number two, proclamation. Look what the people said. The people told Ezra to bring out the book, and accordingly the priest Ezra brought out the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who can hear and understanding. 
And he read from the law facing the square before the water gate from early in the morning until midday. So early in the morning till midday, three or four hour worship service right there. Right, like so. So earlier this summer, we had a we had a service that went ninety minutes, and boy, just got an earful. His ear was was sagging because we went ninety minutes. Oh boy, like we had coffee and donuts. What they were going all day long, all morning. They were they were reading and studying the Word of God. I'm not saying okay. I'm not condoning a three hour worship service. Okay, like that's what I'm saying is these these people who were hearing the word of the, the law, were loving it. They were soaking it up as it was proclaimed to them. And here's the deal. Like, when you can hear a, a, a preacher who is preaching not from a head but to your heart, I could sit and listen for hours, couldn't you? When you have someone that's connecting with where you're at, you're like, just keep going. When you've got someone where... That's preaching, and they're just preaching on, you don't even know, uh, and you're just sitting there thinking, boy, I've got to do this and this and this, and boy, I'd really love to get on with my day. If you're like me, I like to listen to different preachers on podcasts and through different things, and it takes about six minutes to know whether or not I'm going to, about six minutes you've got to hook me, right? I'm like, oh, that guy's terrible. I don't want to listen to him. He's awful. Anyway, I'm sorry. But the proclamation of the word of God must be done with the proper interpretation. And it must be done boldly. Like you must do that as the word is proclaimed. You must not sugarcoat what God is saying. And you must say what the text is saying and what God intends to communicate to us. Because this morning right now, it is not my hope that when service ends and I walk back and I shake your hands that you say to me, wow, Dan, you did a great job and you, you didn't use notes and wow, you made me laugh a couple times and that was really great. If you tell me how great I did, and I understand, I understand the sentiment, right? That, that, that's a wonderful compliment. I, but I, I hope that you come to me and say, wow, Dan, I heard from God today. God spoke to me and you didn't get in the way. Like, you did a great job of getting out of God's ways so that he could speak to my heart, and I'm grateful for that. If it's all about how great I did, then I've failed at what God has called me to. You see, the proclamation of the word of God is of a primary importance to our faith. Let me also point something else out. It is not Ezra who came to this group and said, hey, everyone, I need you to pipe down because I'm going to read to you the book of the law and I'm going to explain it to you. So I need you to like shut off your phones and I need you to, I see you right there, like stop messing around because I'm about to do this. It wasn't a teacher in the classroom. It is the people who came and said, Ezra, here's what we want you to do. We want you to take out the law and we want you to read it to us. We want you to preach it to us because we want to hear from God. Do you understand that the public proclamation of the word is not for someone to stand at the front and tell you what to do? It is a community activity. 
it says there they came expectantly. The people came and they expected to hear from God. They came and they sat and they listened with ears that were attentive because they wanted to hear God. I'll make a confession to you that often I come into this building on Sunday morning and I'm like, okay, who are the people that I need to talk to? Okay, because I got to talk to Les and he's up here and Bob Gebauer is back there and they're all going to run out and go into different places and I got to catch them all because they've got all real important stuff. Do I come in and say, God, I'm having my coffee. I know you're going to speak to me from the pulpit. I expect you to speak. I know you're going to speak because we're going to open up your word and that word is going to penetrate my heart. Let me suggest to you that if the 150 folks in this room walked into worship expecting to hear from God, boy, we would have some amazing worship, wouldn't we? You are not passive participants. You are active participants in the proclamation of the word because there's two ways that you can respond. There is, it is a dangerous thing to be here and to hear the public proclamation of the word of God because one of two things will happen. Either you will hear from God and your heart will be softened towards him and you'll draw closer to him or your heart will be hardened towards him and you will move farther away. You cannot hear the word of God without having one of those two things happen. Because either you'll say, wow, Lord, I'm receptive to what you're saying, or Lord, I reject what you're saying, and you will move in one of two directions. It is my hope and earnest prayer that we all decide to move in one direction, right? Let's move closer to God together. But there's this proclamation of the word of God that comes. So as Ezra studied and interpreted the Bible, and then he, he came and proclaimed it to the folks. And they were eager and attentive to it. Friends, our job as a church is to, is to serve one another and to bring worship, and those are all wonderful things. But we also have an importance of teaching you about what it means to study the Word of God, of helping you grow in your love and the knowledge of God's Word. So if you have a need in this area, you should come to us and you should demand that we provide that for you. If you're like, boy, I would really like to study this. I would really like to do that. Boy, we're here to help you learn the Word of God. Now, it's not as simple as, hey, I want this, and then we're going to provide. Everyone wants to study all the different things, and we're going to have 40 different classes coming up in the fall. That, the gym's about to have a heart attack right now, right? Like, but like, if you want more of the Word of God... We'll figure out a way to give you more of God's Word. Because it is of primary importance. So we have, let's go back, interpretation and proclamation. And the consumption of the Word of God, again, is not a private thing. It is a community action. And then third, we get to application. We get to application. So they read from the book of the law of God with interpretation. They gave sense so that the people understood the reading. So this wasn't just 
that they read it and gained knowledge, but they understood it and figured out, what does this mean for me? How does this apply to my life? How will my life be different now that we're gone? Now that I've left in the morning, what does that mean? So you go to the movie theater, right? And you sit in the movie theater and you get your popcorn and your drinks. And then the guy comes on and he says, here, I want you to sit back and silence your cell phone and uh, enjoy your, your snacks. And then the movie comes on and you hear, see a story and it plays out and you maybe have emotions and you, have, you see this story played out. And then the movie ends and if you're like me, you dust all the popcorn and then there's a big mess of popcorn on the floor, right? And then you go and you walk out and by the time you get to the car, you know, maybe the emotion of the, the movie's gone and you're on to new things. You're like, I got to get home and boy, I've got to, I got to get to the bank and then I've got to pick up the dry cleaning and boy, there's a lot to do. And boy, that was a good couple hours, but what does that mean for my life now? And there are times when we can come into a church and have a gathering such as this, where we come and we, we hear a good message and we have some good worship and we see some people and we have this emotional response. But by the time we get to the car, we're thinking about, boy, I've got a real big business deal to close tomorrow. I've got to go home and prepare for that. I've got, a, I've got a doctor's appointment on Wednesday and I don't even know what they're going to say and I'm worried that it could be, could be bad. I've got a, a family member that's wrestling with addictions and just like a movie, sometimes our worship can be, hey, that was a nice little break, but now I'm going to get back to real life. When in reality, when we approach the Word of God and when his, He speaks to us, our approach to the business meeting and our doctor's appointment and our relatives who are struggling, should be impacted and changed. Not because of a person, because God says, here's what I need you to learn. Here's what, how I need you to grow. Here's how this will change your life. We must come looking to actively participate. We must come with the expectation that God is going to change our hearts. We should have preaching that says, my goal is to see God move in your life. That is my prayer for you, that you came this morning and that God is speaking to you right now. They applied it to their word. They didn't just leave it in their head. They took it and they wrote it on their hearts. Paul says that throughout his gospel. It's not just that the gospel, the law was written on tablets of stone, but it was written on our hearts. So we start with interpretation, we get proclamation, then we have application, and at the end we see celebration. Look at what it says. In Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest, and the scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, this is the holy day of the Lord. Do not mourn or weep, for the people wept when they heard the words of the law. And they said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the wine, and send portions to one another. 
earlier they also said amen, and they lifted their hands, and they fell on their faces and worshiped God. You see, they shouted, amen! You're preaching to us. You're giving us the word. Amen! I'm going to lift my hands and praise God. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to fall on on my face. I'm going to kneel down before God. As the word was given to them. Think about this, this emotional response that we have. By the way, okay, I know we're Presbyterians, but it's okay to say amen. Amen. Amens are great. It is awesome. It's great to hear amens. I love to hear amens. It is okay for you. If anyone tells you it's not okay to say amen, have them talk to me and give them an amen, okay? Like, it is okay. I recognize that, that in our building, we're... If we wanted to kneel down in the midst of worship, if we were so caught up into worship, we'd have a really tough time, wouldn't we? It's okay. I'm not saying we should start a building project. I'm not saying that. I just, it's a point of observation that there, there is a, a thought here that our posture and our body language says something about our worship. Fallen face down before God in reverence. But let me ask you a question, Okay. So we're watching a football game. Let's say this football game is like it's a January football game. So this is really big, let's say, right? Okay. So let's say the Packers are playing in a big January football game and they're going to the Super Bowl, right? And hey, see there? Okay. All right. Like, it's, <laughs> see, I, I knew I would get one. <laughs> the Packers are they're in the game and it's late in the game and they're down by three points. And Aaron Rodgers throws a ball 70 yards into the end zone for a touchdown. What do you all do? Yes! High five! Go like that! By the way, so in this scenario, the Bears come back later and score a touchdown right at the end, and they win and go to Super Bowl. Sorry to crush your dreams. (laughs) Sorry to crush your dreams there. But listen, you're sitting there, you're watching a football game. It's like, yes! Right on! Go team! You don't have to think about it, do you? You don't have to think, well, maybe I should just sit here. I don't want to be an embarrassment to anyone. These people might look at me if I jump up and down. Like, trust me, like, I know. Like, I, I remember taking my wife to a basketball game, and she was like, I cannot believe who you are. You're someone different. So I was like, oh, dude. So I said, listen, like, I'm shouting at the players. They're shouting back at me because, like, I'm like, I'm so into it, right? We don't need permission to respond. How much more? How much more should our response be when God reaches to our hearts and He speaks to it? How much more should we celebrate when we hear the verse? There's one name given under heaven whereby men must be saved. The verse that Amanda brought this morning, to those who received, to all who believed on the name of God, we've been given the right to be called the children of God. Amen. Hallelujah. There should be a response. They said the people wept. When was the last time I wept? the word of God. That's not because 
the Word of God has less power. That's because of the condition of my own heart. That when God convicts us of sin, when He says, Dan, there's an attitude, there's a behavior, there's something that I need to fix in your heart today. That I should weep that I should be broken, that the God who loves me so much was wounded for my transgressions. When was the last time we responded that way to worship? And here's the deal, but then Ezra says, hey, I know you're upset. I know you're crying. Turn off the tears. Like, because the, the, the goal of, of the Word of God is not to leave us broken. It is to bring us redemption, right? If you, if you flip to the back, we're walking in streets of gold, right? That's something we're celebrating. We're not just to be broken people. We're not supposed to be like some of the Puritans who would just whip themselves and said, you know what? The more pain I'm in, the more I recognize. No, there is hope. There's joy that comes in our, our salvation. So Ezra says, hey, stand up, stop crying. No more crocodile tears, okay? Here's what I need you to do. Go get something to eat. Go get something to eat. Go give it to your neighbor and celebrate. And here's, here's what is so important. As they were teaching as they met together that Ezra sent out priests throughout this congregate about this gathering. Here's a gathering of what we, I would estimate 50,000 people. And it wasn't just Ezra standing up. Then all these different priests went out to all these different groups and said, hey, let's interpret the word even more. Let's not just leave it up to Ezra, to someone on a stage. Let's talk about it in these smaller groups, right? And then he says, hey, go grab something to eat, but eat together. Bring it to someone that you know. Have, have food and celebrate together. That this interpretation and this application, again, doesn't happen alone during our quiet time, although quiet times and personal study is incredibly important. But there must be an element of community in our study and in our fellowship, isn't there? I think there's a principle here that we need to recognize, and that is a principle of small groups. That it is hard for a gathering like this for us to know everyone deeply and, and personally. And, and so to break it down in small groups, just like Ezra did, to say, I know that I can't provide this for everyone. So let's break it down into smaller groups where we can talk together, where we can pray together, where we can cry together, where we can laugh together. As I was reflecting on this, I, I, I do believe that small group community is such a vital part of a healthy church. And I know that there's groups that meet together, but I thought to myself, you know what? I, I'm not part of a small group Bible study. 
I was like, so if I want to be honest with myself, boy, I lead, I lead the kids every week in a small group study, and I lead, uh, do other things, but here's an important principle that I have not listened to. So all that to say is, boy, I would love to have a small group study. I would love to have a group where we can sit together and talk. And so if you have interest in being part of a group where we can study the word together and we can talk and apply the word and share and cry and laugh together, I would love that. Come talk to me because I would love to have a community like that. And, and if we look at the principle of Nehemiah, it was the, the women and the, the men and all who were able. So the only requirement is if you're willing and able, I would love to do that. So if you're, if you're 86, that's fine. If you're 32, that's fine. If you're 19, that's cool. Everyone is welcome. I think it would be great to have a multi-generational small group. I think that would be awesome. But I see this as a healthy model for us to follow, and I would love to do that. So if you have a questions or thought, come catch me afterwards. Here's the deal. When we approach the Word of God, when we give proper interpretation, when we see this public proclamation, when we apply it to our lives, celebration is is the outcome. Celebration is the result of interpretation and proclamation and application. So let's celebrate the work that God is doing in our lives through us encountering his word today. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for all that you do and that the Lord, we just thank you for your word that was given to us. And we thank you that you still speak to us today. And may we have ears to listen to you. In Jesus' name, amen.